Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Look at me, Trish, what am I doing? What, look what I've got here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've popped on my giant, giant sunglasses, holding up a book. You can't tell the difference on the cover of this no, book I between can't. me and the book. Tell the, tell the right, lovely okay. listeners Let me what tell it the is. Right, it is the new book about Anna Winter, and Lorraine me is and modelling Anna. a very similar pair Massive. of sunglasses. Um, I'm going to be slightly critical here and say I'm not sure your bob is quite as slick and shiny as hers. Well, she hasn't been in a uh, cold Lido for half an hour this morning, has she? No, she hasn't got no. goggle marks, has she, Anna Winter? No. She's been up since five doing the whole tennis thing. Tennis, malarkey. I'm quite excited then... about this biography, are you? Oh, definitely. My goodness, yeah. definitely. It's a blast to our fashion pasts, isn't it? It is. I did meet Anna Winter once. Yes. Well, I've met her many times, but um, the BSME were hosting a dinner for her. And uh, lovely Jane Bruton was hosting it. She brought her to me and she said, can you talk to Anna for a bit while I sort out the intro? And I said, hello. And she said, hello. And that's it. She didn't say anything else. else. Just did not make small talk (laughs) at all. So I had to go into kind of drivel overdrive, which is what some would call this podcast. Indeed, I just sort of set off. Yes. waffling to her yes. about you know London <laughs> the table setting oh, how God. nice her dress was. and you probably couldn't Loved tell because hair. she was what her response was I expect she had the sunglasses on in the dark no she? it was she did have the sunglasses on <laughs> they were tinted not dark and she just stood there like a statue oh. I was just when she got wheeled away I was just covered in sweat and I'd lost about five stone <laughs> so her 10 foot tall security card came and took yes. her away from you <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Well, I don't know what I'm looking forward to most in today's show, meeting our special guest, Cindy Gallup, sharing what we've discovered about superfacials in How to Win at Midlife, hearing about one of our listeners' midlife milestones, or bamboozling you, Lorraine, with our all-new Nostalgia Noodle, in which I'm going to give you some clues and ask you to guess the year. You're not going to bamboozle me, (laughs) Trish. You're not good enough to bamboozle <laughs> good self. You know that that will bring out my competitive side because you got mm. it first time last week, didn't I you? Did. Which was infuriating for me, <laughs> Trish, infuriating. Um, I think it might be one all this week. Do you think? A bit of levelling up. Well, we'll yeah. see about that because I think you might get a bit distracted by Cindy who is going to be telling us how a midlife crisis led her to leave a hugely powerful job in advertising, become an entrepreneur, consultant and sex tech pioneer. Not to mention her her stories of dating younger men and changing the narrative around body confidence and visibility for older women. Yeah, she is a trailblazer and a role model and someone I have long admired in the industry. She's going to be dialing in from New York because we are a global show, aren't we, Tris? <laughs> Reaching the parts of the world other podcasts cannot reach. We are indeed. So can I just take you on a quick tour of some of the cities and countries that we can add to our list of fabulous midlife listeners who've recently joined our Facebook group? Actually, we could probably do a little quiz on this now because um, I know you didn't get your geography. So (laughs) I got got a B in geography. We did. You did. Right. So there's no excuse. Okay. So we have a (laughs) listener in Thesprotia. T-H-E-S-P-R-O-T-I-A. Where do you think that is? Uh, is it near Mars? I don't know where that would be. <laughs> Sounds like a Sounds Eastern Dodger. European, doesn't it? Mm. Prussia. I don't know. Go on, mm. tell me. It's Greece. It's Greece. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Greece. Yeah. Okay. How about Bagamoyo? Scotland. Balamori. No. Tanzania. A little right. bit closer to home. Stravanger. <laughs> Stravanger. Uh, Wales. Norway. Oh. <laughs> 
can have some easy ones. Boulogne. Is that in France? Because yes. I feel like that, that just says baguette to me when you yes. say Boulogne. Yeah. On- Ontario. Okay. But Ontario, that's Canada. I-, I know this. I think I might have been there. Yes, you have. And then Windermere. Well, I'm going to be swimming in Windermere this year. That's my dream. Ah. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, ah. so that would be somewhere north. <laughs> Lake District, maybe. <laughs> Lake District. It is the Lake District, but actually, our Windermere listener is actually from Windermere in Florida. So there oh, you go. There yeah. You go. Well, I'm not going to swim anywhere in Florida because I'll be eaten by an alligator, <laughs> which some might say would be a good thing. Um, I'm going to blame my lack of geography knowledge on brain fog because um, it's been bad this week, the brain fog for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some really good brain fog bloopers on our Facebook group, actually, over the last few weeks. They're so good. I think we should do a mm. top 10 chart. There's some kitchen-themed ones, howlers, as we call them, prompted by Melanie. She posted a picture of her plastic water bottle with a tea bag in it and said, I found myself making a cup of tea with my water bottle and just stopped myself pouring boiling water into it. (laughs) I mean, melting it everywhere. And then Hannah added to the thread saying, I cracked an egg into the compost bin and put the shells in the frying pan this morning. Elisa says she made it all the way up the stairs with a tray of frozen sausages that she'd meant to put in the oven. It just happens to us all day, every day. <laughs> Elizabeth's my favourite, though. She wrote, I inadvertently took someone else's trolley in the supermarket. I added my item to theirs, paid for it all, and only realised when I got home and realised that half the stuff wasn't mine. <laughs> um, I've actually almost done that as well. And this week, I was looking in my handbag with using my phone torch. Mm-hmm. But I was looking for my phone yes. in my handbag with yes. my phone torch. My children are always spotting me doing these things. Yes. Um, and I'm always doing these things because they're always asking me to do things exactly the moment I lose something then I have a blooper moment and then they howl with laughter oh it's just so unfair isn't it but there's you're often a phone or a pair of glasses I find at the center of a brain fog bloop but anyway please keep them coming on the group for our new top 10 chart yes Um, and if you haven't already joined the group do please come on board we'd love you to join or you can email your bloopers to us too at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com anyway it's time to get on with the show Let's meet today's guest, whose unique and fearless approach to life will fill you with enthusiasm for your spectacular second act. Cindy Gallup, 62, was one of the global advertising industry's most iconic executives, a high flyer who ran accounts like Nike, Coca-Cola, Ray-Ban and Polaroid. At the age of 45, she decided to walk away from the agency Bartle Bogle Hegarty, which she launched in New York in the late 90s and worked for herself a courageous midlife crisis, as she has since referred to it, which saw her go on to become a public speaker, entrepreneur, consultant and sex tech pioneer. In 2009, Cindy gave one of the most controversial TED Talks of all time when she launched her venture, Make Love, Not Porn, born of her experience dating younger men and realising that when we don't talk openly about sex in the real world, porn becomes sex education by default. The huge global response led her to turn Make Love Not Porn into the world's first real sex video sharing platform. Her TED Talk has had almost 3 million views. I'm all about stamina and short recovery periods, she said at the time. Cindy has recently posed in her underwear online for Style Like You, a video platform celebrating diverse body shapes. And she says she wants to challenge the way women's bodies are judged as they age. We'll be chatting to Cindy about all this, and she'll also be discussing her decision to remain single most of her life and to not have children. She's a forthright, no-nonsense, non-judgmental trailblazer whose curious and always positive attitude to living well has made her a cult hero for young women, and we hope her spirited approach will be useful for any of you listening today who may be lacking in body confidence right now. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Cindy Gallup. Thrilled to be here. (laughs) Now, I'm going to go straight in with the questions here for you. Thank you for coming. On, I'm going to ask you about your Gallup Toy Boy stable, as you call it. So, you started using dating apps when you were in the ad industry, top of your game in your 40s, and you noticed that a woman being honest about your age was actually a positive on these apps. So, 
What was happening, though, was you were meeting younger men. Most women that we talk to on on the um, podcast that we hear from assume that men on these apps want younger women. But actually what you found was it's older men who want younger women. And you said that 75 percent of the men who replied to you were younger than you in your 40s. Tell us what you experienced and what that experience was like at the time. Sure. And and I should just explain for the benefit of our Mm. listeners that all of this was accidental because the only reason um, that I was posting my profile on dating um, websites, by the way, we're talking 20 years ago, so even pre-app, is because I used to run an advertising agency here in New York, and 20 years ago, we were asked to pitch for an online dating brand um, called Udate, which was actually coming out of the UK at the time, and wanted to launch in the US and take on Match, which was a market leader. And in the advertising industry, when you pitch for a client's business, you have to experience the client's product and the entire competitive landscape. So we all had to online date. And this was 20 years ago, and none of us at the agency ever had, because it, you know, it, it wasn't a thing back then. So the rest of my pitch team at the agency, they were all already married, living with people, dating people. They all went online as fake personas. You know, They created identities, cruised around to experience the product. I was single, I thought, okay, you know, I have to do this for business reasons. Why don't I do it for real? I was completely frank about everything, including my age. I then got an avalanche of responses, which was very good for the ego. But as you say, much to my surprise, because I had absolutely not considered this as a dating strategy, 75% of them were from younger men, and the majority were from much younger men. So I suddenly realized that I was every young guy's fantasy. I was attracted to a woman, high-flying career, did not want to get married, didn't want to settle down. I just wanted to have some fun, which at the time, I just started this agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace. I was working 24-7, you know, traveling all the time. Fun was severely missing from my life. So I thought, gosh, you know, haven't thought about doing that, but works for me. And I've been dating younger men very happily ever since. When you say younger, so you're 62 now. So when you say younger, what do you, what are you, what are the ages now? The men I date tend to be in their twenties. And and just to explain my yeah. approach to this, because a, it's something I would like many other single older women to consider, and b, I am nobody's idea of a cougar. So um, I, I freely admit that I date younger men casually and recreationally for sex. However, I have one fundamental criterion. No matter how casual the relationship, they have to be a very nice person in an atmosphere of mutual trust, respect, affection and liking. And the rather ironic thing is that because of that, my so-called casual relationships go on a lot longer than most people's so-called committed ones. So I have dated younger men off and on sporadically over periods of two, three, four, five, 10, 15 years. They may go on to date women their own age, they may get married, we like each other, we stay friends, we meet platonically for drinks or coffee, and then every so often those relationships end, every so often those marriages end, and they come back, and it's very nice. (laughs) And how are you meeting them now, Cindy? Because obviously the world has changed, you have got your Tinders, and it seems to be very much a hookup culture. So how are you getting to the point where you can actually establish that these are nice men that you are meeting? Back in the day, obviously I was using general dating apps and websites. Historically, however, I've met the younger men I date on Cougar dating sites. Mm -hmm. I applaud the rise of the niche dating site where everybody knows exactly why they're there. And by the way, I will just say that even I, who champion this relationship model, even I am gobsmacked by the number of younger men on those sites who want to date older women. When I say date, I mean date, not just have sex with. And that is because we have this appalling double standard in our society where Older man, younger woman, no one bats an eyelid, but older woman, younger, you know, somehow more social and unacceptable. With the pandemic, my approach has absolutely changed. I narrowed my pandemic pod down to one young gentleman who happens to be um, here in New York. And, you know, I've not resumed my dating life in the same way because I'm being super cautious about COVID. Nevertheless, I have a number of younger men um, whom I've known for quite some time, who I'm still very much in you know, contact and and communication with. What's it like dating younger men? What are the differences, do you think, from dating a man your own age to dating a younger man? What are the pros and cons? 
first of all, in my case, this suits me down to the ground. You know, I am somebody who has never wanted to be married. Yeah. I have never wanted children. Enormously grateful. I always knew that as opposed to finding out the hard way by having them. Yes. Adore being single. You know, I'm not a relationship person. I cannot wait to die alone. And so dating younger men casually and recreationally for sex works perfectly with the way I like to live my life. I'm deliberately very public about all of that because we don't have enough role models in our society, for women and for men, by the way, that demonstrate you can live your life very differently to the way you're expected to and still be amazingly happy. And I'm one of the happiest people I know. But, but what I would say, um, Lorraine, is that anybody, by the way, looking for their soulmate, would actually interestingly benefit from adopting the principles by which I identify my casual relationships. And I'll give you some reasons why I say that. Um, first of all, when somebody is looking for a committed relationship for a soulmate, must be a nice person, does not tend to be number one on their checklist. You know, there are things like, gotta have a good job, gotta have ambition and drive. You know, um, and actually everybody would benefit from making the number one item on their dating checklist must be a very nice person and actively looking for ways to make sure that is the case. And, and obviously today, you know, many people are meeting online as I, as I meet my young men um, and there's a back and forth. And then eventually, you know, you schedule that all important IRL date where you're going to meet each other for the first time in the real world. People looking for their soulmate will often say about that all important first date, Oh, you know, the only thing that really matters when it comes to attractiveness is that they're attractive to me. That's total utter bollocks. Because when they walk into that bar, that yes. coffee shop, and see that person, they are not thinking, is this person attracted to me? They are thinking, what would my friends think if I walked into a party with this on my arm? Mm. In other words, they are looking for socially endorsed attractiveness. Yeah. External now, when, approval. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Now, now, when I walk into that bar... I am genuinely only looking at whether he's attractive to me, because if he is, I'm taking him home and fucking him. Mm -hmm. um, am I allowed to say fuck on this show, by the way? I'm not sure. Go, just, I am. go, go on, fuck it. away. <laughs> yeah, fuck excellent. Away. Right. Um, but, um, but, but that means that I am absolutely, you know, I'm not looking for the classic good looks, the chiseled jawline, the six foot yeah. tall, whatever. I am genuinely only interested in whether I feel I'm attracted to him. Another thing that people will absolutely judge that first date by when, when, when they are looking for something serious, and this especially applies to women, is they will go, did we both get equal airtime? Did he ask me about myself as much as he wanted to talk about himself? When I go into that date at the end of a long, hard working day, I've spent the entire day pitching, I am sick to death of the sound of my own voice. I don't want to talk about me at all. I just want to hear about him. Right. And I have to tell you that, you know, with with 20 something men, they have never had anybody be as interested in them as I am. And they open up. And what that means is I hear really interesting stories and, you know, really fascinating things from them, because one of the things I adore about online dating is that you get to meet people that you would never normally meet in your daily way of life. So I meet younger men from completely different backgrounds. I meet younger men who are the very first person in their family ever to go to college. I meet younger men who are supporting their parents and their entire family on their first working salaries. I meet younger men doing extraordinary things, you know, and so I really get to know them um, beyond the superficial and then that makes them even more interesting mm -hmm. and attractive to me and so and so i would encourage people who are looking for a serious relationship to consider those principles of approach when they first engage mm -hmm. with the people they're dating and what is it that, that they're telling you that is attractive and hot and sexy about you because you you're amazing you have an incredible body confidence but for a lot of women there's that internal chatter it's like oh my body isn't you know toned enough my you know my arms are a bit saggy etc cetera, etc cetera. but you're obviously not hearing anything or feeling anything like that from these men or inside your own head either no absolutely and this has been a really wonderful revelation I mean, I don't give a shit. So I'm really happy taking all my clothes off and bouncing around in bed. You know, I've never been told I'm beautiful um, as often as I have since I began dating younger men. You know, I remember one young gentleman 
studying my butt up close and going, you have a beautiful butt. Now, by no stretch of the imagination do I have a beautiful butt. He thought so. And what's important too is, well, I mean, it's very nicely appreciated, but I really don't care. What that means is I'm a great believer in complimenting them. So I will tell the younger men I sleep with how beautiful they are. And, and I use that word deliberately because we never tell men they're beautiful. You know, and I will appreciate every part of their body. And I, I remember years ago, but I was seeing this lovely young gentleman who was in the wrestling team at his college. I mean, had the body of a Greek God, you know, I mean, he was also gorgeous. I remember him, you know, sitting on the side of my bed the morning after our first night together, saying shyly, you make me feel so sexy. And I honestly think that we don't think enough about how much men need to be made to feel sexy. One of the things that I will ask the men I date is, you know, why are you on a cougar dating site looking for older women? What I hear back most often is girls my own age are so insecure. And I really empathize with that because I remember myself in my late teens, in my 20s, you know, absolutely socially conditioned to feel insecure about myself Mm. in relationships, obsessed with, you know, what does he think of how I look in a way that then doesn't allow you to have this wonderful two-way mutuality that I do now of we can make each other feel good. So one of the things that you noticed over the years of dating um, younger men, which you wouldn't, I I guess, notice if you had dated the same age or or older men, is that a lot of these men had been really heavily influenced in their sex lives by pornography. It was almost their default sex education, which is what led you to set up Make Love Not Porn. So where are you in that journey now with the website? Because it then became a website for real life couples, didn't it, to put their... For for, um, for, for real real life everybody, not just couples. Single, threesome, you know. So for the benefit of our listeners, um, Make Love Not Porn 2 was a complete and total accident. As you say, Lorraine, there I was, you know, dating younger men 14, 15 years ago. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's, as you say, total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's when those two factors converge that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that's coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 14 years ago, no one was talking about this. No one's writing about it. And as a naturally action-oriented person, I went, I'm going to do something about this. So um, 13 years ago, I put up a tiny clunking website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original version was just words. The construct was porn world versus real world. I launched that TED, um, the TED conference in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words come on my face on the TED stage, six times a session. The talk went viral as a result. And it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every country in the world, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that's what led me to turn Make Love Not Porn into the business that it is today. And, and I should explain that, you know, our entire mission at Make Love Not Porn is this one very simple thing to make it easier for everyone in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex because the issue isn't porn it's that we don't talk about sex in the real world yeah if we did amongst many benefits people would be able to bring a real world mindset when they view what is simply performative produced entertainment and so our tagline at make love not porn is we are pro-sex pro-porn pro-knowing the difference And so we're pioneering what we call the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's making it social. I mean, we're fascinated by your career. So I'm just going to wind back a bit to New York in the 90s and the noughties. Um, I mean, you really were in the the kind of belly of the beast, weren't you, in terms of the advertising world. It was super high octane, glamorous money was flowing everywhere. But you've also said, and I suppose we're not surprised, it was very sexy, but it was also sexist. You know, this is all pre-Me Too. I mean, how was it being at the top of that world at that time in history? I'm frequently asked, so Cindy, What sexism did you encounter rising through the ranks Mm -hmm. in advertising? 
And my response is, a fish does not know what water is. That was the way it was. Yeah. You know, and, and it really wasn't till I left the corporate world in 2005 that my eyes already opened to the extent to which that is the case. And the depressing thing also is that nothing's changed today. Unfortunately, systemic endemic sexism, racism, misogyny, sexual harassment is still all around us. But what I've really sought to do in the, gosh, 17 years since I left the corporate world is do everything I can to help change that. Yeah. And was it fun, though, in the 90s in, in New York? You had a, an all-black apartment, didn't you, that was in a, a Notorious B.I.G. video as well. So you were in that kind of very cool, was it all parties? Did you enjoy it? I was starting up an advertising agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace, yes. Madison Avenue. You know, BBH New York literally began with me in a room with a phone. My um, executive creative director, Ty Montague, who was employee number two at BBH New York after me, he had a great phrase, you know, whenever people asked us in the early years, how's it going, guys? He'd say, we're having hard fun. And that's what it was. <laughs> it was hard fun. I guess you only know this in retrospect now. So, you, and you're very, I see you on social media, you're very um, strong on this point. I'm guessing you didn't get paid as much as men no, at the no, time. No, and no, no, I'm happy to say I basically learned the benefits of negotiating your salary very early on because I was working at an agency. My first performance and pay review came up. I thought, right, I had this figure in mind that, that I wanted um, my pay raise to, to take me up to. So, you know, I sat in this um, review with the managing director of the agency and the head of my department account management, and they gave me a glowing review. And then they said, so Cindy, your pay raise is going to be this. And it was £1,000 short of where I wanted it to be. And obviously, by the way, I'm in fear and trembling. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty junior <laughs> still at this stage. Yeah. But I thought, I've got to argue for what I wanted to be. And so I just began talking. And, and my voice felt very little and very far away and detached from my body. And I can't remember what I said, but I just said, I want £1,000 more and here is why. And the two men looked at each other because they're obviously very startled at this pushback. And then my boss said, Okay, Cindy, you know, go outside the office and, and just wait there. And I went outside the office, they closed the door. And a few minutes later, they opened it, called me back in and gave me the additional thousand pounds. And I thought, That's right, this negotiation stuff works. You don't get it if you don't ask. So you've got this enormous confidence. That's not something all of us have, particularly in midlife. You're one of four, aren't you? You've got three sisters, I think. Yep. Um, your mum was Chinese, your dad was British. And you have a really questioning attitude to life. But where does that confidence come from and what's your advice on women who are kind of looking around now at this point in midlife and I'm guessing sort of 45 onwards thinking how could I ask for a pay rise how, how could I ask for what I want I, I've lost my confidence very straightforwardly my confidence comes from 62 years of life you know yes. I mean I mean this yeah. is you know it's a result of my gradual life experience which is why I would enormously like to shortcut the process for every other woman and so <laughs> there are two things that I would say to women generally all women and older as well as younger the first is I believe that everything in life starts with you and your values. And so if you've never conducted this exercise, take a long, hard look inside yourself and identify what you believe in, what you value, what you stand for, what you're all about. Because doing that makes life so much simpler. Life still throws at you all the shit it always will, but you know exactly how to respond to that shit in any given situation in a way that is true to you. And that, by the way, really is the secret of happiness. Living your life and working your work according to your values in a way that is always true to what you value and believe. And then the second thing I would say, and again, I've been exhorting women to do this for years. I encourage women to get very, very angry because we are always told not to. Nice girls don't get angry. Get very, very angry because as women, we have so much to be angry about. And when we get angry, we make shit happen. Mm -hmm. It's true that, isn't it? Yeah. Something actually we've all been getting very angry with here in the UK is the situation for women in, in perimenopause. And, you know, most of our audience will be in it, approaching it or just past it. And they're probably listening to you, Cindy, thinking, my goodness, her sex drive is incredible. Her confidence is incredible. The way she speaks, um, conducts herself, amazing. And that's not how they are feeling <laughs> at this point in their life because the perimenopause can affect all of those things. So we do like to ask our guests about their uh, perimenopause 
menopause experiences. And so how was that for you? I was enormously lucky. My period stopped at the age of 50. That was it. I never went through hot flashes, mood swings, any other physical manifestations. I feel enormously privileged and very, very fortunate um, that was the case. But, But the second thing I would say to you is because of you know, what I do championing women, and because Make Love Not Porn operates in the area of sexual health and wellness, you know, I've been immersed for many years in the world of female tech entrepreneurs and female founders who are only now in a world and a generation where entrepreneurialism is encouraged, starting ventures designed to solve all of this shit for all of us. And so I know many, many women who are tackling menopause from many different angles. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I don't just mean women who are creating what is obviously badly needed, you know, communities around the menopause experience, ways to address it. Um, I'm also, um, you know, friendly with women who are extraordinary innovators and disruptors who have brilliant technical and medical ventures that are designed to do things like eradicate menopause. And and you may think that sounds extraordinary. And, does. Um, yes, it does. and I can't tell you too much about this because this is a friend of mine who is a brilliant female entrepreneur who has faced all the challenges we have with a venture where if it was white male founder, it would have been funded to the tune of hundreds of millions many times over. Yes. Who, as a woman, has a very interesting take on all of this. And what not enough people realize is that if women's health had had the same attention, focus, medical research, academic studies, government funding going into it over the centuries that male health has, we would be in a very different scenario um, in the context of menopause today. Our only issue, our only barrier to demonstrating that is lack of access to capital. Last year, only 2% of all venture capital went to female-founded ventures. That's how underfunded Mm -hmm. we are. And so there are solutions to this that women have not even conceived of that actually brilliant women with the tech and scientific background to execute on them are are trying to build for us today. And I'm trying to help them accelerate that process so we can all benefit. I'm quite excited about that. Now, let's talk about relationships again. You once said you're not a relationship person. Mm -hmm. And it's quite unusual for women to talk out loud about not looking for the one, not wanting to be in a partnership. But have you been in love, Cindy? Is there a great love of your life? There isn't because, you know, I've absolutely thought in the past (laughs) that I was in love, especially in my young years. And looking back, that was infatuation. I mean, we've all done this. We've looked back from the remover of several years and gone, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> okay. You know, you thought you loved them because they were special, but they were only special because you loved them. We as women have been sold a total bill of goods with the concept of love. And again, by the way, I am absolutely not negating that people absolutely do fall in love. I mean, my parents are a case in point. You know, phenomenal marriage for 62 years until my father died um, a couple of years ago. Don't you get lonely sometimes to not have that longevity behind you of... No, absolutely bloody not. No, no. I mean, I mean, again, you know, this is a thing that, that, that it did take me some time to realise, but I am so enormously fond of my own company. I am absolutely somebody who is, who is happiest on my own. My idea of bliss has always been to be in my apartment on my own with nowhere to go and no one to see. And in lockdown, I got to do it every single day. That's a nightmare for me. Yeah, but you were were surrounded by four children, right? So it's a bit of a different (laughs) situation. Talking of which, Cindy, because that is the other social norm that we're all fed, isn't it? That we should want to be mothers, that we should want to have children. And again, you, you speak very openly about being incredibly content to not want or need or feel the need to have children? Funny enough, I adore children. I adore other people's children. I have three nieces, three nephews, four goddaughters and a godson. 
that does me just fine. You know, not only do I feel that I've not missed out not having children, I am positively ecstatic I never had children. <laughs> oh my God, thank God. You know, it could very easily, back in my younger years, when, when I had not fully realized this, gone the other way. In a parallel universe, there are divorce papers with, with my name on them. Is I'm it easier now, do you think, for women to be less doing what society expects around family now? It all depends who you are and where you are. I'd say to women especially, stay away from people and places and things that make you feel bad about yourself. That's not very easy to do if you live somewhere where you are still very close to your family, so you've got that parental pressure all the time, where all of your friends are having children and you're not. I mean, I have a lot of female friends um, who have never wanted children yeah. and are very happy. For many women, the social conditioning and the social familial societal pressure is so heavy that it's not easier for them to come out and say no. that. As you've aged, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show, actually, was the Style Like You video oh, yes, that you yeah. did on the website. So, so brilliant. You basically talk about how society views women as they age and the shape of their body. And then as you're talking, you're gradually taking yeah, your clothes off and you go down to your underwear. And you're a massive fan of fashion because I know you spent quite a lot of money on fashion over the years. Um, tell us how you've come to dress how you do and how you view life as a woman and kind of your body image and everything involved in that because we obviously through the podcast and through our Facebook group we have a lot of women who say what am I going to wear now as I get older I don't you know I don't find my body sexy I don't think it's sexy anymore explain how you can change that mindset to one that's that's like yours and I would urge everyone to watch that video because it's really inspiring. Thank you. Uh, you know, yes, I adore fashion. And I used to spend a lot of money on clothes back in my past life as a high-flying, highly-paid ad exec. Now I'm bootstrapping entrepreneur. I'm all about <laughs> recession chic. And so these days, I buy my entire wardrobe at, you know, Zara, H&M. But you're um, 62. And if I go into a shop like that, and obviously, I've, hmm. Trish, I've worked in fashion. We go into these high street shops. We're hmm. just bombarded by images of very young women wearing things. But you've got to be, you've got to be quite strong in your mind to overcome that as you're shopping, haven't you? I absolutely, very publicly champion featuring older women, larger women, yeah. you know, all of us in fashion advertising. And in fact, I do that especially because every year I have an annual ritual, which is that I live tweet my reading of the Vogue September issue. Yeah. <laughs> I began doing that several years ago. My I've followers love it. So it's now a thing. And I literally, you know, in real time, read Vogue from cover to cover and comment on every single ad fashion spread. And one of the things I obviously call out is the complete lack of representation of older women who are the ones with the money in any of those ads. Yes. But, um, but in my case, first of all, you know, I I'm going into those stores and shopping online, looking for the things that I want to wear, which ideally are the ones where nobody ever guesses they came from Zara, like the pink, you know, um, loving it today, blouse I'm wearing it today, which, um, you know, um, looks like silk, totally isn't. I, I don't care about the imagery they're bombarding me with, because I I'm not going to buy the bare midriff stuff, you know, I'm looking for the stuff that, that I look great in that makes me feel good. And you can absolutely do that on a budget. Um, the other thing I do is, do shop online on the designer shopping platforms like Net-A-Porter. Yeah. But um, I only ever shop the sales section mm -hmm. and I only ever shop the 70% or more off section of the sales section. And you can find some amazing bargains um, to, um, doing that. And um, really, I believe that everybody should dress in the way that makes them happy. And I'm being me, I'm expressing me, I, I look the way I want to look. We've got women who are sort of mid-30s, right the way to late 60s listening to us. So say you're a woman in your mid-40s at the moment, you're going through a bit of a dip, you have no confidence, you're feeling slightly overwhelmed by everything, as we often do, um, and this is the time you made a massive change in your life. What's your advice, Cindy Gallup, to get some of that kind of magical confidence you seem to be seems to be flowing through your veins um do you know um, what i would say to that is the very first thing anyone in that situation should do is take a break from your everyday life and what i mean by that is get, get away for a weekend you know if you have a partner or a family drive the bargain with them 
take some time off to yourself and do it in, in whatever way fits your budget and your capability. You know, if you can book yourself into an Airbnb or a bed and breakfast for two days completely on your own, turn the phone off, you know, go for long walks, chill out and really just stop and think about what really makes you happy. And the reason I say the very first thing you should take a break, you should do is take a break is because, you know, we as women are so overwhelmed with all, all of the caregiving stuff that falls on us, all of the burdens of housework and childcare and elder care and, and being the mother at work, being the woman yeah. at work that's expected to do all the additional emotional labor. You want to take a break from all of that, clear your head, cl um, clear all those demands around you, take some time to yourself, stop and, and really think about what really makes you happy and then come back to your life and put that into action. Good thoughts. Thank you so much for coming onto the show all the way from New York. We're excited to see what happens next. Thank you. It's been an absolute <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mm. <laughs> I think we're going to need a new jingle, aren't we, Trish? So the time has arrived for our second midlife milestones and magic moments section this is a new part of the show in which one of our lovely listeners shares a little bit of inspiration which might be something from every day or something completely life-changing a decision to walk away from something or start a new venture or anything like that so today we've got one close to my heart from our lovely listener virginia hi my name's Virginia, I'm 62 years old and I live in the beautiful Peak District in Derbyshire. My milestone was that last year, after last lockdown, I started working as a lifeguard at the beautiful outdoor Lido in Matlock Bath. I've been inspired by this pool for so long, swimming it for two or three years and when I got the opportunity to start working there, I just jumped at it. I never regret a single moment when I get in the car or on my bike to cycle to work and spend the day with the most wonderful colleagues and meet some fantastic people who come and swim in this gorgeous pool. And I wanted to share this with you because life doesn't have to change when you reach the wonderful midlife. Take a risk, take a chance, do something for you to look after yourself, for your own mental health, for your own confidence. I feel like a different person now. And it's changed my life. In fact, it's changed it so much that hopefully in August, I'm going to be swimming the channel with a team of five other ladies who swim at the pool too. So my message to you is never say never, never say no. Grab life by the short and curlies and go and do something different because I promise you, you won't regret it. Just go and do it. Now it's time for our handy, helpful how to win at midlife section of the show. This is where we get busy researching, talking to experts and trying and testing stuff so we can bring you shortcuts to discovering the best things in life. This week, we are going to be talking luxe facials, including a high-tech gadgety, <laughs> gadgety one, Trish, gadgety, mm -hmm. a spiritual one, and a DIY one that will only cost the price of a book. So we're going to cover all personal preferences and budgets. Trish, kick us off with this high-tech situation. Yes, high-tech indeed. I tried something called the high-intensity focused 
ultrasound, wow. otherwise known as haifu, not haiku, haifu, with celebrity facialist and laser expert Debbie Thomas at her clinic in Walton Street in London. And the reason I kind of went for this was I felt my face was looking a bit lax. It's sort of getting, it's just like it's getting thinner mm. and thinner, you know, I'm quite self-conscious about that. And like, when you wear my swimming goggles, I don't know whether this happens to you. I mean, they literally leave a mark yeah. all day. Which basically yeah. shows there is no elasticity and spring backness. I buy collagen. Exactly. So I thought I really need to kind of do something about it. And so HIFU is one of a few treatments that can reach this something called the SMAS layer of the skin, which was previously only accessible via surgery. And it does it by delivering targeted fractional heat, 65 to 80 degrees to the area. And the idea is that this contracts the the deep layer to help lift the skin and also boost um, production of strong new collagen fibers. Um, Now, the interesting thing about collagen, which I was told Mm. about, was that you need to think about it as an elastic band that stretches as you get older. So it gets stretches and stretches and gets looser. And the high food treatment shocks the collagen into coiling up again so if you can imagine that pinging back pinging back again and therefore sort of tightening up and so the treatment it took about 45 minutes and Debbie applied this gel and then used a gun type device sort of across my leg and there were lots of little shocks and little heat bits and not super comfortable quite uncomfortable on the kind of bone around the bone areas of the jaw right. and teeth and things like that um not a relaxing luxury experience right. <laughs> but you need to make sure you've got a very skilled therapist doing it because it's about t- uh, targeting the right areas because you don't want all of the face to be tight and plumped you only want this you know the, the important parts yeah. of your therapist needs to, to know how to do that so there's no redness or downtime and you're supposed to look about 10 percent better after the treatment and i definitely felt i looked perkier but collagen production increases up to 12 weeks post-treatment so anything you're doing with collagen you need to bear in mind that it is going to take a little while whether that's supplements or whatever you're doing and um but I have to say after about four weeks I definitely think that my my skin was torta and that my wow. face was looking bummer seriously and I stopped it's almost sometimes you did look very gorgeous in that picture of you and Neil oh. in your flying weekend and I oh, did, did think you? to my I Thank thought you. to myself may have said it to my husband mm. Trisha's skin looks good in this picture <laughs> yes well thank you very much well I I do think that this definitely made a difference and I just felt that I wasn't thinking oh god my face looks really thin all the time and sometimes it's what you're you're not seeing that is fine as well that something has worked so um so I thought that was really good but it is a high-tech treatment so it comes with a high price tag and it starts at about yeah investment 1250 pounds Okay. Yeah, it's right. a lot of yeah. money. And, um, you know, some of Debbie's clients have just one treatment and others, it can take up to three treatments. But I think if you were seriously considering yeah. something like a facelift, something like this would be worth trying ahead of it because, um, you know, it just might do enough for you if that's what you're after. Um, but Debbie is very much a kind of bespoke therapist. She doesn't do Botox or fillers. She does these very, you know, specific treatments and she'll create something for you, whether you've got rosacea. Oh. Oh, yeah. or acne so um which she actually developed adult acne so she's very very good on all of that so i would definitely recommend going for if you have got budget going for a really experienced therapist like debbie we'll but, put all the details up won't we yes we will one. but yeah. now i'm interested i don't think i've ever heard of a spiritual facial wow. which is what you've been up to so tell right me about my that. street isn't it so i heard about annie de mamiel d-e-m D-E-M-A-M-I-E-L, in your French accent, you should Mm -hmm. be saying that, Trish. Now, she's um, a facialist who is also got a degree in Chinese medicine, anatomy, physiology. She's got a diploma in aromatherapy. She's 51. But um, Annie had been given, uh, well, she'd been told that she only had six months to live in 2001. She had cancer, which had started in the cervix and spread across her body. Now, she had chemotherapy and all the um, medical treatment, but she also started to look into a holistic treatment, so diet and Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine and just really stress. I mean, the basis of her work is stress. So I wanted an all over treatment because I don't really have a facial very often because my skin is so sensitive, reacts to everything. Mm. And I was looking for a kind of stress busting, revitalizing all over treatment that I could go away with thoughts on, you know, how to possibly change Mm -hmm. things a little bit. Um, What was fascinating? about Annie's treatment so it's two hours and I had it at the Nomad but um, she also works in other places it's a pop-up they call
call her the skin whisperer. She used acupuncture needles. She also used a tuning fork. This is about the flow of energy. I filled in a little questionnaire about roughly about my diet, really, and exercise and mindset and and sleep that I was getting. Um, And then she did the treatment after that. And she was really fascinating on the neurochemistry, she calls it, which she has studied of how smell affects Mm. your brain so how it relaxes you slows Mm -hmm. you down de-stresses you so the whole massage really well it wasn't massage it was really kind of touching there's a lot of massaging of um, the face just sort of pressure points around the body was accompanied by lots of different smells from the aromatherapy Mm. oils that she was using I mean I felt amazing um, afterwards and she was saying for example that citrus smells are really good to calm you down they when they look at brain scans things like oranges lemon limes that calms you down basil apparently the smell of basil promotes relaxing feelings of joy mm-hmm. um and if you want a little perk in the afternoon you know you get that little dip in the afternoon yeah. you're a bit tired if you want to change your energy rosemary in hot water she was saying okay. is particularly good the smell of it before you drink it i mean a lot of these things are in her organic products that she makes herself mm-hmm. which she also sells they are pricey those products but I absolutely love the moisturizer anyway it was two hours she sees a lot of women in midlife she says they get this kind of blockage at 49 because in Chinese medicine there's a seven year refreshing mm-hmm. of the way energy flows so it happens to a lot of women at 49 gets a bit stuck in your tummy Trish you know how oh, got a tummy. Yes. but the thing is it all um, reflects on your skin it all shows yeah. on your skin yeah. if you're dehydrated if you've got inflammation you're more prone to rosacea so she can see all that as she's doing the treatment so I have to say when I came out I looked I would say I looked about 10 years younger when I got home my husband said to me what have you done have you gone for some kind of sauna or something you look really perky I looked and I felt amazing Mm -hmm. um now it could be the acupuncture actually which I haven't I've only done once Mm. before does she put needles in your face yeah uh not in my face but she she does with some but it just depended um you know I wanted to to come out feeling more relaxed so she did it in the energy flow around making me feel more relaxed so I, I would highly recommend it is again as we said quite expensive but these are the ones we're testing it's 250 pounds for 75 minutes I was actually in there nearly two hours but she had a little chat with me afterwards about things that would be good for me from what she Mm -hmm. could see um, was happening with my skin so she said I should avoid hot yoga oh yeah anything that heats the skin yeah yeah anything that heats me up chilies and all that kind of thing Mm -hmm. she said my cold water swimming was very good for me anything Mm. repetitive meditative would be very good with me now I walked away from it thinking I should really think about smells around the house and how my Mm. mind is affected by what things smells like so I had a little look at aromatherapy and stuff like that afterwards so I think it's definitely worth doing I mean it was incredibly relaxing yes well it was a really your mindset and gave you a little bit of a reset and I'm all for yeah, yeah. A holistic facial because I think a lot of times you get a facial to treat something but you're not treating the cause mm-hmm. of why your skin is reacting in that way so it was good to chat through those things and she can talk about all sorts of things now those were lovely luxury facials mm-hmm. weren't they you've got a DIY budget option haven't you Trish I from have. the super facialist Abigail James indeed I have because Abigail is renowned for her extensive knowledge in skin health and mind positivity and the connection between all three and she actually advocates both the things that we yeah. talked about like it's a high-tech approach it's a, a relaxation approach it's a kind of holistic approach but she also has a new book out called the Globe plan face massage for happy healthy skin which will set you back about 14 pounds 99 pence but honest to goodness I would say it's worth every single penny the information in it because it's got all the information about your gut health your skin biome all of that and then it goes into the whole sort of how to do the facial massage I am going to quickly say now we do have a copy to give away Um, so we'll pop a competition in the the Facebook group I like the sound of a glow yes Glow like J-Lo. Glow That's like how J-Lo. I'm seeing it. So Come on, tell me, what do I do? Well, let me just tell you the definition, because I've never really thought of the definition of glow before. And she puts it in the book, Abigail. And she, she says the definition is to look attractive because you are happy and healthy. 
I mean, that's yeah. good. Happy and healthy. That's what we all want, that's right? What we need. So, so anyway, it's a four-week plan of daily facial massage. Um, she says there is no magic bullet, but during the four weeks, you're going to be learning new techniques and exercises, which, which will set your skin up to look more toned, lifted, and vibrant. And then you can just kind of use what you learn throughout the rest of your life to kind of really understand your skin and kind of perk it up when it needs to. And, you know, if you're feeling like you're not getting the glow. And she sort of very much is about, it's not how much money you you spend but how much energy you, you invest in yourself which I think is a good way of looking at it but before you get into the four-week plan as I say she's got great advice on the physical and mental well-being that play into the health and youthfulness of our skin and that includes sleep diet gut health exercise hormones how long you spend sitting at your desk polluted environment all of those factors and she also explains all the skincare ingredients that you might hear bandied around a lot in products and that's kind of really helpful too so anyway the plan each week she has a different well-being and massage focus from massage basics to lymphatic drainage and there's lots of photos and easy to follow instructions which is just super helpful so i think abigail's got a great youtube channel hasn't she as well yes she has actually so you you can look at that as well if you haven't got a chance to buy the book or you can look at it in conjunction and uh she's just so brilliant and all of that but she also um now this isn't actually in the book but um when i spoke to abigail she gave me her top skincare tips for midlife women too so I think I should probably share those and tell me the first one and we have said this before is review your skincare routine because as our estrogen levels drop our skin um, you know it just goes all dry all over our bodies our faces and she says the key is not just reaching for richer products um, it's the more hydrating ones so the thickness of the cream does not immediately result in more hydration and interestingly she had an early menopause and she did go on HRT and she said it definitely felt her made her face feel more springy yeah yeah her second tip collagen stimulating products we've talked about collagen already it's all about the collagen so collagen stimulating products are a a must combat loss of firmness and fine lines and um peptides and retinoids those kind of trigger collagen creation um so look for those in your products vitamin c she says is a must both topically and internally so inside and out so on the skin you can find serums it's a mega antioxidant supports the skin in so many ways and internally you should take it to boost your immune system because when we digest it it supports collagen production again it's all about collagen vitamin c and then abigail's personal recommendations of products that she loves to use on her midlife skin we'll put all the details prices and where you can get them on the facebook group she is a fan of is clinical super serum something called revision skincare hydrating serum skin better science trio rebalancing moisturizer and finally epionts hope i've pronounced that right e-p-i-o-n-c-e won't have done trish you're not seeing french <laughs> exactly tinted, tinted <laughs> spf 50 so um we haven't got time to go into detail on all of these we haven't tested these products ourselves but we we trust abigail so we're going to put those on the facebook group and you can find out more about them there that was very helpful trish trish and abigail um that's a perfect birthday present isn't it that book you can get oh, that definitely. for me it's my birthday in july trish just yes popping i'll, it, I'll pop popping it, on the it out there for you and if you as listeners want to find out more about abigail then you can check out her website abigailjames.com right we've already had one quiz in this episode which i think we can say you failed the geography quiz but <laughs> you've got a second stab at it a second okay. go lorraine myself you look nostalgia noodle guess the year right, right so on. i'm going to give you some clues and you're going to tell me what year it was so the film that won the best oscar was the last emperor and Cher won Best Actress for Mermaids. Now, I know you're a Cher fan, so My there's no Cher. excuse for not knowing this. Right, some more clues. Margaret yes, well, Thatcher. I'm really just a fan of anything camp, so... <laughs> Cher's mum's still alive. Did you know that? No, is she? That's she is. I follow Cher on Twitter. I get oh. health updates. Go on then. Margaret Thatcher did what? I don't think you can mention her name. Well, I, I think we can. Margaret Thatcher became the longest serving prime minister of oh. the 20th century. And do you know how old she was when she became prime minister in 1979? She Bonus must point for this. have been 40. She was 54, which is my age. 
Do you really? think I could become prime minister? Absolutely not. Well, no, I think these just, days, no. I think I might do a better job. But anyway, yeah, that's that's we digress. Right, I'm going to give you one more. Um, I feel like you should know this. Marie Claire, the magazine that we love, launched <gasps> in the UK. So it's less than thirty years, though, isn't it? So mm. Marie Claire's been going less than thirty years. What? What's? What, I can't do any maths on twenty-two. Take to. <laughs> So I'm going to say whatever year it was 25 years ago. What year was that? Oh, you want me to do the maths now? Well, I can't do maths, can I? Uh, 25 from 22, 1997. 97. No, it's not as late as 97, is it? No. Let's say. What decade are you going to narrow it down? I'm going to stick in the 80s. Yeah. I'm going to stick in the 80s and I'm going to say 81. Oh, seven years out. Oh. 1988, you dingbat. 88. How can Margaret, if I told you that she became the Prime Minister in 1979? What are you trying to do? This is not university challenge. Well, Trish. I said she became Prime Minister in 1979 and was the longest serving Prime Minister, and then your guess was 1981. The thing is, if you say anything involving numbers or maths to me, <laughs> a small a drawer inside the bottom bit of my brain just shuts quickly okay. like that, right. and I can't, I can't do it. I'm visual. Okay. Trish. I'm a visual Shall we shut person. this segment of the show and oh, just say that it's still one nil to me yes let's do it let's do it that brings us to the end of this week's episode of postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you can make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us too for this new series season six that would be most marvelous And please tell your friends about us. We want as many women as possible to join in this midlife conversation, which is what our private Facebook group is all about. So if you're not a member yet, do come on over, join in the chat and remember to post a brain fog blooper if you've had one for our new chart, chart of bloopers. I'm going to put a couple in today. You can also use our Facebook group to post any feedback on the topics we discuss, as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talked about on the show or celebrities and experts you'd like us to interview. Or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on Instagram. Goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.